Well, all right, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And as we start, I want to just simply say, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I know for some, uh, this is a painful day, but for all of us, we all have mothers. And so it's something that we need to, uh, to know, that, that we pray for one another, but that we, that we also take a moment to honor those who, who uh, brought us into this world. And so uh, that's exactly what uh, the Apostle Paul says, simply saying, honor your father and your mother. And at first, when I looked at this passage, I, I thought, you know, is this what he had in mind? Did Paul have in mind that we would set aside a day, a year, since 1914, when uh, uh, Wilson signed it into law, second Sunday in uh, May, to have a, a day to honor our moms? Is this it? Is this, all, is this as good as it gets? It's a day for moms, and then, the, you know, the other 364, oh, sorry, we, we already had your day, so these are, you know, something else. No, I, that's not what he had in mind, right? He didn't have in mind just one day. Did he have in mind that we would buy things for our wives or for our moms? You know, we'll buy a, a, a card, right? Hopefully, you, you got the card. Everybody get the card? Uh, if you didn't, you, you better go get it, uh, and, and uh, better late than never. Uh, uh, you want to have the card, you want to have the flowers, you want to have the chocolates. And I started wondering this week, is that just an American thing? Are we the ones that buy things on Mother's Day, and so we have this one day set aside, and we buy things? And I thought, I wonder what Paul had in mind, because he doesn't say anything. Moses, you know, he's quoting Moses uh, and the Ten Commandments, and, and, and it's stated eight times throughout the Scriptures, these Ten Commandments, and, uh, or especially this one on honor your father and your mother. And, and so you look at that, and you think, is this what he had in mind? He doesn't explain it. He doesn't tell us how to do it. He just says, do it. And so that's the question that I had this week. How do we do it? How do we do Mother's Day? One of the things that I would say is, and I, uh, I got it from the Wisdom of Reader's Digest, is there's some things that you don't buy your mom or your wife on special occasions such as these. The first one is anything that plugs in, that's utilitarian. I mean, if it's fun, yeah, but utilitarian, no. Uh, I remember one special day I got a vacuum cleaner for my wife. That was not, that was not the best choice of gift. I'm just saying, learn from me uh, and my mistakes, right? So something that plugs in, right out. Uh, another thing is, is uh, clothing of any kind. You're not going to pick what they like. Uh, you're not going to know sizes. Just stay away from the whole thing, I'm just saying. Avoid anything useful. It doesn't need to be, it needs to be just something that you're just showing love. You're not giving uh, something useful. Uh, definitely stay away from anything that smacks of self-improvement. <laughs> you, you, you'll, be, you'll be sleeping outside on that one. Uh, and don't spend too much, because if you spend too much, you know what you're going to get. You spend too much. Why'd you spend so much money? But if you don't spend enough, guess what you're going to hear? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not worth more than this. Uh, so, I mean, you don't win. So just, you know, it's, it, buying stuff is not what's going to communicate honor and love. I started thinking about this this week. Uh, uh, Donald Trump gave uh, uh, the Presidential Medal of Freedom to uh, Tiger Woods. 
And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, they have the dis- presidents have the discretion. They can give it to whoever they want to. I think there's like 33 uh, sports figures that have been given it, four different golfers. He's the youngest. And so, you know, they give it for various reasons. Is, it, is the award what honors a person? So that we give awards or we give, you know, statues or we do all these things to honor people. But I thought, is that really ultimately honoring? And is that really ultimately what God had in mind when he says, honor your father and mother? Just a simple statement of how does that work? What does that look like? And so I, I, I decided to come to the book of Ephesians. And, and Ephesians does two things. One is it states the command. But then it says, afterwards, it says, which is the first commandment with a promise? Now, he's not saying it's the first commandment. It's actually the fifth. And so he's not saying it's the first. There should be a comma. There's the first, uh, or, or first with a, with, with a promise, the first one that has a promise. Uh, and here's the promise. In fact, it's the only one with the promise. It says, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life. So a good life and a long life are promised for us. There's blessing in it for us for doing what God has asked us to do. And so, but what is it? When I was looking at the book of Ephesians, I, I had to think, and I always try to do this, is what's the context of what he's, when he's writing? Is he sitting, you know, in front of his mom and he's writing this about the family? In fact, there's a whole section about the family starting at the halfway through chapter 5 and halfway into chapter 6, talking about family relationships. So is, is, is that what he has? In, no, he's not sitting in front of his mom. He's not, where is he? He's in prison. He's under house arrest. So he's under house arrest and he's writing these words. And that gives it a little bit more power in my mind because I was thinking he's not in a situation that's kind of this loving, feel-good kind of situation. He's in a tough situation. He's in a situation where he doesn't know the outcome uh, of his life. And you can imagine the fear and the, and the uh, discouragement that might come along with that. And yet here he's writing this book. And so what does he write this book about? What's the context of this whole book? There's really a couple of things. In fact, I when I... Uh, years ago, I uh, had somebody say, well, the first three chapters are doctrine, next three chapters are application, and you want to know what you believe so that you know how to apply it. And I thought, well, that's great. So what is he saying to believe? He's talking about our calling in Christ, our calling and, and our salvation, that we've been called to salvation, we've been called to redemption, to be redeemed and have a relationship with God. And so there's this idea of having a relationship with God first, And then he talks about living worthy of our calling. In fact, he says that in chapter 4. That's what made me go back and look at what is he saying in the first three. He says in chapter 4 and verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord, and he's truly in prison, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And in chapter 1, he says, you know, here's your calling uh, that that he's... um, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Be holy and blameless in his sight. And he goes on later and says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so he's talking about this relationship with God. And so you think about Deuteronomy 6, which we do at child dedications, where we, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and teach it to your children. So you love God first, and then you teach it to those whom you love. You think about what Jesus said when he talks about the Ten Commandments. And if you think about the Ten Commandments, the first four relate to God. The the next six relate to our relationship with others. And then when Jesus was asked, what's the the law? What's the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this idea of loving God and then loving others. And we can't love others 
in the way that God intends us without loving God first. Because we don't understand love. We don't understand the love of God. We don't understand how to love another person until we've experienced the love of God. And then we go, wow, that's real love. That love involves sacrifice. That's a love that, that we, we see in the gospel of, uh, that Christ died for us. And in fact, in Romans 5, it says that that's how God demonstrated his love for us and that, that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even in our ugliness, even in our sinfulness, Christ died on our behalf. And so we simply respond by receiving Christ and that's salvation, that's redemption. And when we do that, then we're supposed to take that next step and learn to love one another, to demonstrate the love of God that he's demonstrated to us. And we realize that's what the book of Ephesians is really talking about. 19 times through the book, he's talking about love. And he's saying, here's your calling. You've been called to love God. And now, live worthy of your calling. And he talks about the unity of the body. He talks about love. And he talks about being light in the world. And that's what he goes on and he talks about through the rest, the second part of the book. And so this is in the midst of family relationships. He's saying, here's how love needs to look. In regard to your mother and father, honor them. Honor your mom. And, I, and the question that I wrestled with is, well, what is that? How do we do that? What is he really saying here? And if you look through the rest of Scripture, what does the rest of Scripture have? I mean, it's easy for you can go online and Google, you know, how do you honor your mom? And you'll get all sorts of stuff. You'll get a whole list of things to do. And usually it's things to purchase or things to, to say to them or whatever. And I, and I did that this week, and I found it, it was all over the map. And not very many of them went through, here's what the Scripture says and here are the verses that apply. And so I, I decided I was just going to start this week from scratch and just look at every verse that I could find that had anything to do with mom and honoring. Any, anything that was even closely related. And it was amazing to me how many verses, and it was interesting to me what the focus tended to be. First thing we want to look at is what does the word honor mean? What is the meaning of that word? Because I think that we need to, to wrestle with that just a bit. I looked at uh, a number of Greek dictionaries and looked up the word uh, for honor, honor timao uh, in the Greek. And I, and I thought, what does that word mean uh, as, as it's defined? Uh, I feel like I'm over here to the right. Uh, I'm not just preaching to you guys over here. Um, I, I, and so here's, what I, here's the, some of the words that were in some of these, these dictionaries defining this word. To esteem, to reverence, to show high regard for. And that would mean not only in our words, but to show high regard in our actions as well. To attribute high status, to lift them up, verbally lift them up, let them know that they're valued. To honor, to respect. Uh, one of them was worth, the idea of worth. Uh, specifically, uh, dignity was another word, and then value was another one of the words. And, you, and you, so you take those words and you realize there's this field of meaning of valuing and honoring and lifting up and valuing highly. And valuing highly means that you, when they say something, you, you value what they say and, and you think about it because they've, they, after all, they care for you in ways that you can't even imagine. And so um, uh, we... Realize that that's what he's talking about. So how do we do it? How do we go about it? What does the scripture say? 
And it was interesting as I looked up these passages and I looked for passages, I ended up with a lot of them out of the book of Proverbs. A lot of passages out of the book of Proverbs. One is in Proverbs 10, 1. Uh, it says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. In Proverbs 15, 20, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. And I don't think that, that she ends up with just a negative and the dad ends up with the positive. I think that, that he's doing it poetically. That Solomon's kind of speaking in a poetic way. And, and, and what he's really meaning is when you live wisely, mom and dad are, are rejoicing in that. And when you're living foolishly, mom and dad are sorrowful about that and feeling despised. And so what's the answer to that living wisely? I mean, duh, right? That we live wisely because it's not just one day out of the year that we're supposed to honor mom. It's, it's every day of our life. When I live wisely, I honor my mom. I mean, I'm wearing this pink shirt today to honor my mom, but it's, but it's not this shirt that's going to do anything, right? It's me living a wise life, living wisely. And so I think, well, how do I do that? How can I learn to live wisely? And, and well, the book of Proverbs is a great place to start. And in fact, I want to encourage you to think about taking at least the next 31 days and reading one chapter a day out of the book of Proverbs. And you, you may think, well, that's a lot. And in fact, there's a whole lot of topics in that one chapter. And so I'd say, okay, then do three verses out of Proverbs a day. That's not very much. They're very short. Read three verses Pick one and say, you know what? I'm going to do something different today. God says this, and, and this is the wise way to live, and, and so I need to do that. And I tend to do this foolish thing that he says not to do. That tends to be what I'm doing. And so I would encourage you to do that. If you're not much, you know, you have trouble reading or whatever, well, I mean, listen to it in, in your car sometime. Or go to Right Now Media. I looked, at, looked in Right Now Media. There's a whole line of of uh, studies in the book of Proverbs. Uh, the If Gathering does one of those, and there's a number of others that are in there. And so I would encourage you, get, go to Right Now Media and, and, and listen to, to some of the speakers on the book of Proverbs. If you want to kind of take a next step, here's, here's a step that I've taken on specific topics in Proverbs. And there's quite a few topics, as a matter of way. Uh, in fact, since it's topical, uh, I would encourage you to look through and find some of the topics. Uh, there are three major areas. You'll see topics or themes related to God, themes related to yourself, or themes related to others. And so if you, if you look at those, one of the themes that I looked at just related to yourself, here's some topics. Work versus laziness. Uh, success versus failure. Uh, if you're in business, that might be one that you would want to do. Drunkenness versus sobriety. So you, if you struggle with alcohol consumption, you might want to do some of those. Self-control and temper. Do you have a tr trouble with anger or revenge? That might be uh, something to look at. Uh, uh, faithfulness and unreliability. How can you be a faithful uh, spouse, dad, mom, uh, 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 worker? Uh, honesty versus cheating. Uh, justice and injustice. I mean, there's uh, contentment and stealing. I mean, there's a lot of different topics. Uh, communication is one of those. I encourage people that uh, in their uh, premarital coaching, I, I encourage people to, to, to look at every verse, highlight every verse that has to do with the mouth, the verbal, communication, whatever, and, and then to take a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle of it. I know I'm talking old school, but draw a line down the middle of a piece of paper and, and, and put 
wise and fool. And what you'll find is, is that you, if you write down everyone that, that's on the wise side, here's what the wise person does, here's what the foolish person does with their mouth, you'll see some things on the foolish side, oh, I do that, and I, I do this. And remember, you've got some on the good side too, most likely, but change some of the ways that you communicate. Pick one and say, I'm going to communicate differently. It'll help your marriage. It'll help your relationship with your, with your mom or with your, your wife or with your husband, with your children. And, and so I would encourage you, grow in wisdom. Take one of those approaches and grow in wisdom. But not only grow in wisdom, grow in righteousness. In Proverbs 23, it says, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. And so this idea of of righteousness, that's living a godly life, following the Lord, walking with the Lord. It's something that we long for, for our, our families to do, is for them to just simply walk with the Lord, to simply care about what God thinks about their life. And so it's not just living in a wise fashion and doing wise things, but it's living in a godly and having a spiritual emphasis in our lives as well. I think about uh, Jabez, who was, uh, it says, he was more honorable than his brothers in 2 Chronicles 4. And his mother called him, his name Jabez. Now, you don't want to necessarily listen to this next part. It says, because I bore him in pain. And I thought, wow, that's, uh, you know, uh, how would you like that moniker stuck to you? But he says, uh, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, and then we have the prayer of Jabez. Here's his mom honored by this prayer that so many people have prayed. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from harm and that you would not bring me pain. He's praying against his own name that my mom named me pain, but I pray that that would not be the characteristic of my life. And God granted what he asked. And so here's a guy who's living in a righteous way. In Proverbs, it's interesting to me and also in some of the minor prophets, Domestic violence is huge in the list of things. I was surprised by that, uh, by how much is spoken. We think that's a modern-day thing, and yet here uh, in uh, around 1,000 B.C., uh, a little before that, but around 900 B.C., uh, we have domestic violence mentioned. It says in Proverbs 19, He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1, it says he's talking about the law being good if one uses it lawfully. And it's not laid down for the just, but for the lawless disobedience. And then he talks about some of the deeds of lawlessness. He says, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers. And so I mean, you think, wow, he's talking not only about physical, but then in Proverbs 20, if one curses his father and mother, his lamp will be put out, put out in other darkness. And so you, you think about, how we speak to them, how we respond to our moms is really crucial. Um, uh, even uh, in Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And so even as we're growing older, this is idea of respect, this idea of honoring uh, that scripture talks about. Ezekiel talks about it. Micah talks about it. Uh, Jesus talks about it. It says, for God commanded, honor your father and your mother and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. I mean, pretty serious consequences in that case. And in, in Proverbs 28, whoever robs his father or mother and says, this is no, compa- no transgression is a companion to a man who destroys. And I was just amazed at how many passages talk about that. 
And I was thinking, you know, not only am I, do I honor my parents by, by how I live wisely and how I think spiritually, but that I, how I speak to them and how I respond to them is crucial to honoring them. It's part of the honoring process. As I was reading on, uh, one of the things that struck me, and I didn't even know how to process this at first, was Jesus' statement uh, when he's talking in Matthew chapter 10. He says, For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And I thought, wow, Jesus, are you dishonoring your mom? Are you dishonoring those, uh, those uh, uh, in, in, in our lives that are mothers? And I was thinking, no, that's not what he's doing here. He's really setting out priority. And the priority is, is that he takes first place in our life. He's setting out that God first and, and family second, right? And so you realize that's what he's doing here. He's not telling us to, to hate anyone. He's just saying it strongly so that we'll understand and I can tell you that as a, as, a, as a father, one of the things I long for, uh, for me and for all parents, is that our kids would put God first above us. That's what I long for. That's what I pray for, that, that they would put God as first in their life. Because there's going to be a day when we're not around. There's going to be a day when, when they're going to be on their own. And, and I want God to be the one leading their, their decisions of their life. And in fact... Um, it's kind of interesting because uh, uh, in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus uh, decided to hang around a, a little longer with the, uh, uh, the leaders in the temple, and his family took off, and they, and they, they went away, and uh, uh, three days, it says... It says, when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. You ever have these times where your kid does something and you don't know it? You don't know where they are? And what happens? You're in panic mode. Now, they were in panic mode too. In fact, it says, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him after three days. I can't even imagine the panic they must have felt. Uh, five minutes, and I, I, I remember panicking, and, and three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? A statement probably every mother has said at one time or other. Their kids, behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And you would think he'd say, oh, I'm sorry, but that's not what he says. He says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's house? But notice what he says next. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And you would think that mom would not be excited about that, that she would. But notice what it says about Mary. And it says, his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Why did she treasure this statement? I think it's clear that she wanted him to value the father more than her. And, and, and we want as parents Christ to be central in their lives. Because we, we don't always have the wisest thing. We, we can't always comfort them in the way they need to be comforted. But, but God can. 
God is there. He's there in their darkest moments, Psalm 23. He's there with them, and we want them to have God with them in every moment of their lives. And so there's that priority. There's also another part of the priority, and it's not dishonoring. And that's when they get married. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And so there's that, that idea that it's God first and then their spouse second, and then mother and father would come after that. And it's not dishonoring. It's most honoring to have your children that, that love their spouse. When I was thinking about that uh, uh, over the years, I thought, you know, really all parents want is two things for their kid and a spouse. One is that they would have somebody that just loves them. You just want somebody to love them like you love them. You just want that. You desire that. And you want them to love the Lord. That's really, I mean, you can make all these lists of all these things and qualities and whatever you'd like to have in a daughter-in-law or son-in-law or whatever, but bottom line is you just want somebody to love them. You just want somebody to care for them. And that means that they've they got to put that as a priority even above you, and at times it's hard. There are those in our lives who are kind of a second mother to us. Um. Uh, Paul had one of those. In fact, in one of these greeting lists at the end of Romans, uh, he has this list of people. He says, greet this person, greet this person. And, and a lot of times we check out on the book when it's, he gets to that point, right? You're reading the book of Romans, you get to that point, greet this, greet that, and you don't even know who the people are, and you're kind of going, yeah, 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 greet, 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 right? In the midst of one of these lists, it says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. I know I've read that, but it just jumped out at me. That there are those in our lives that, that become kind of a second mother to us, and we so value them. We so honor them being a part of our lives. I think about this uh, lady in, in Ecuador that is our partner, uh, Kati. And uh, Kati, uh, her mom died when she was eight years old. And she ended up growing up on the streets of Ecuador. And, and, and she became uh, uh, somebody that none of her relatives, none of her family wanted to have in their home because they didn't know what she would do and what kind of influence she would have on their kids. And, and she would steal from them. And, and then she came to Christ. And after she came to Christ, she, she, wanted, she, she really wishes she had had a mom. And, and, and when she... She ran into this one church that she talked about what she wanted to do with her life and how she wanted to minister to other people. And this church took her under her wing. And there are three ladies in that church that adopted her, not officially, but just as, as kind of like Paul. They were, they've been a mother to her for, for the last 20 years. And she so values those relationships. You never know how valuable that can be when you take somebody under your wing and you, you love on them in a way that, that they haven't been loved on and cared for. Like Paul describes in 1 Thessalonians, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother takes care of her own children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. 
There's just a way in which mom loves us that's so different than dad. And it's something that's very valuable to our lives. And as a result of that, when we honor our, our moms and we honor them, when we lift them up and we value them and we do it not only just one day a week, I mean one day in the year, but we do it every day of the year by living wisely and living in a godly manner and, and, and caring for them and loving them like we should then there's blessing that comes with that. And that blessing, it says, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. So how is that? How does that work? How, 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 and I, I, when I've looked at that before, I thought, what's the connection between honoring and life going well? And of course, my first thought is, so mom doesn't take me out. <laughs> You know, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. You know, so it's that she didn't take me out. And I thought that. And, of course, I thought, no, that can't be what he's really talking about. What does he mean? And a verse in Proverbs was very instructive. Proverbs 6 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake... They will talk with you. Have you ever heard your mom's voice in your head? And you know she's not there. She's, she's not right there. But you, you hear her voice in your head. And, and, and you hear instructions that you've heard a million times from her. You know, things that, uh, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Mom told me that, right? My grandmother told me, uh, one day she saw me walking from here to there in the house, right? I was walking from one place to the other place. She goes, Greggy, because that's what she called me. Greggy, why, why don't you have anything in your hands? And I thought, what do you mean, Grandma? I don't know what you mean. She goes, there, when you're at some place in the house, there's always something that needs to be carried from here to there. And so you should always have something in your hand that you're carrying from here to there. He says, I don't ever want to see you walking around with nothing in your hands. And to this day, I hear my grandmother's voice in my head no matter where I go. Even walking around the church, I grab something, I pick it up, I'm taking it somewhere, and I hear grandmother's voice, oh, pick it up, take it. I, I put on Facebook this week, uh, 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 what are some things you remember your mother teaching you? And there's a lot of different things that people said. Don't chew gum in public. You know, some people think that. Good manners, Right? Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, thank you. Thank you for this. I was writing thank you cards. Uh, one person remembered the family that plays together stays together. I know the family that also prays together stays together. So that's, those are two things. One said Jesus is Savior. You think, wow, that, that mom had a spiritual influence on their, on their kid. Uh, one was powder your nose and wear lipstick. I'm probably not going to apply that one. <laughs> Uh, Jesus loves me or loves you and will always be with you. Wow, what, a, what an encouraging thought. Uh, pray together every night. In fact, this one family said they prayed together every night. That's what, one of the things that she remembered. It was what she did, not necessarily a what, a what she said kind of thing. Uh, it's going to be all right. You're going to make it. I mean, just these different 
wonderful things that help you in life as you, as you step through life. I was reading one of the things that was fascinating to me, and I don't know that I'd paid attention to this one quite the same way, was in Proverbs 31. We always think of the Proverbs 31 woman, right? Because that's, that's a huge chapter on that. Uh, the, the Proverbs 31 woman that no woman could ever, you know, superwoman of Proverbs 31. I think, wow, you know, you always feel inferior when you read that thing. But it's, it's, it's some beautiful stuff in there. But at the beginning of the chapter, verse 9 verses, says the words of King Lemuel, and it says an oracle that his mother taught him. And I thought, oh, these, these are the words that his mom taught him, that he remembers. And it says, what are you doing, my son? I thought, yeah, that'd be the thing I'd remember. Um, what are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Three times in a row, I'm thinking, yeah, my mom always looked at me and goes, I wonder what he's going to turn out to be. Um, uh, then it says, do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to, to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what they've been decreed and perverted the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who's perishing and wine to those with, in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute. And I went, oh, wow. Be a voice to those without a voice. For the rights of those who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Three things he remembers. Don't be promiscuous, don't get drunk, and be a voice for those who don't have a voice. I was thinking, wow, those are some profound things that he remembers that his mom taught him. And so this idea, of it may go well with you, but this idea also of long life. One of the things that I thought about is, you know, parents are imperfect. And I think there's a reason for that. We normally think, gosh, I'm sorry for all my imperfections. And we feel like we need to apologize to our kids for the ways that we messed up. And they may need counseling because of what we didn't do or did do or whatever, right? But it hit me that there's a reason for imperfect parents. Because our kids are going to grow up in an imperfect world with imperfect bosses and imperfect other people in their lives. And if they don't know, learn how to, to respond to imperfect parents, then they don't know how to respond to, when they hit an imperfect world. And so we can, in a sense, glory in our imperfection and rejoice that God has made us as we are and that we be the best we can be and we be the, the wisest person, the most godly person that we can be. But we know ultimately that it's not going to go perfectly, but that maybe we'll have an influence on those who come after us. One of those people that stood out to me was Ruth and her relationship with her mother-in-law. I was given, and personally, I have a, an incredible mother-in-law. She's loved me like a son. And I praise God for her. And I, and I think about Ruth and how she responded to her own mother-in-law. And, and it says, um, uh, her mother-in-law's response to Ruth is, May the Lord deal kindly with me as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Because their, their, their husbands died. Her two sons died. And she had nobody that was going to take care of her. And Ruth would not go away. She tried to send him away. She said, I don't have other sons that I can marry off to you. And so you might as well go and find husbands. And, and Ruth stuck with her. And apparently she had had a spiritual, strong spiritual influence on Ruth. Ruth, a Moabitess who didn't grow up in a, in a home that worshipped the God of Israel. 
And, and here's what she says. She says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And we hear that at weddings. But it's from a, a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law. A beautiful words of spiritual influence that her mother-in-law must have had in her life. And so I think about how much moms influence us. We hear their voice at times in our lives. If we heed their wisdom, it, life goes well. And our life is, is lengthened in some ways just because we listen to them and, and we take time to honor them with the way that we live our lives. That is so much more honoring than anything that we could do on one day in a year. And yet we want to take these moments also to just say that we value you as people who have had people of influence in our lives, that God has placed in our lives to be that influence. And I thank God for you. I thank God for my mom. She wasn't perfect, but I knew she loved me. And so I think today being a day of honoring, and, and I think about how uh, in, uh, uh, I read a book called The Tribute by Dennis Rainey. I'd encourage you to get it. And in that book, the tribute, one of the things that uh, he says is he says he, he took with his mom while she was still alive and, and, he, and he wrote this, this poem to her. It was a long poem just honoring her. He framed it and then he came over to her house. He read it to her and hung it on the wall so that she would remember and know how much she was valued and honored by him. And all, every visitor that came into the home saw that and read that and she said, look what my son did for me. I was thinking, how honoring was that? And so I, I was so moved by that, I decided I wanted to do that with my brothers and sisters. And so well, I, I called them, I gave them the book. I said, read the book. I said, I want to do this. And so they, they were all on board with it. And so we set up a time and, and we read these things that we had written to our mom and our dad. How much we valued them and how much uh, they meant to us and what, how, what kind of influence they had in our lives. And, and he said he wanted to encourage us to do, to do it while our parents were still alive. And I'm so glad I did that because now they've both passed. And, and I was glad that I had that opportunity just to face to face. And it was, we sent the kids out into the yard and we had some older ones that could take care of the younger ones. And, and we, just, we just had this time with, with us and, and our spouses and just uh, read to them what we had written and, and gave them some gifts. And it was just a very special, very emotional time for us. And, and the thing that we have to, you have to do to do that is you have to take your parents off the witness stand of all the things that they didn't do you know, that you thought, well, they should have done or should have been or where they fell short. In fact, Dennis Rainey says, the day that you grow to become a mature adult is the day that you take them off the witness stand and just see them as people who have hurts and fears and and loves and dreams. And I thought, wow, that's so powerful. And so do that. I would encourage you to do that. If, if your parents are still alive, do that with them. In fact, there's a poem that I'll close with. It says, uh, if you have a, it's called Do It Now. It's a, uh, it says, if you have a smile for mother, give it now. If you have a kindly word, speak it now. She will not need it when the angels greet her at the golden gate. Give the smiles that she is living. If you uh, wait, it will be too late. If you have a flower for mother, pluck it now. Place it gently on her bosom. Print, uh, print a kiss upon her brow. What cares she when life is over for the flowers that bloom below? She will have her share up yonder scattered at her feet galore. 
And so I, I just love that. And I just think, do it now. Honor our parents now. Honor them with our lives. Honor by how we live. Become wiser and study the book of Proverbs and figure out how to be more wise so that we are more honoring to those who gave birth to us. Moms, we honor you. We love you. And we praise God for you. Father, we come to you this morning and, and we, we praise your name for the moms that you've given us. Father, some imperfect, some uh, no longer around even. Father, for some of this is a painful day because of so many different reasons. But Lord, I just want to take this moment and say thank you for those who gave life to us, if nothing else. They gave life to us and they made that choice to let us live rather than not. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have given us these special people in our lives, these moms, or in some cases, second moms, who care for us and nurture our lives. And Father, I thank you for them. I thank you that it's a demonstration and a sense of your love for us, how you love us so richly and so deeply and, and so magnificently with the women that you've placed in our lives that love us and care for us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bless the moms today. I pray that you would, I pray for those who would be moms, Father, and I pray for your grace there and your strength. Lord, I pray for your provision, and I just thank you that, that you are such an incredible God, that you place these incredible people in our lives that, that, are, that are so amazing and, and give such value and meaning to our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our ability to honor, that we would learn to honor better, more completely, more sufficiently, more encouragingly. Grow us, Father, to be wise, to be godly, to be those who listen to the good advice that we've been given by our moms and to live in a way that glorifies you and honors you ultimately as we honor them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.